Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, welcome, welcome to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio, and yes, I am your host, Rob Watson. Again, we've got a really great, unique show lined up for you today. Uh, We have the very hot hip-hop and R&B artist, and he was also the Out Magazine cover boy of their uh, 2020 Pride edition, and he is none other than Dames. Uh, He will be in our house. Not only that, we have two of his latest tracks that we're going to be playing so we'll get to um, sample his music. Um, very heartfelt. Um, he is absolutely a poet and a soldier fighting in um, an unjust world, uh, probably on a lot of fronts. But uh, not only being black in America, which uh, just on its face um, has a lot of challenges, he is also an LGBTQ artist who is surviving and um, excelling in the rap world, which has traditionally been um, not queer friendly. Um, He uh, is kind of making some movement uh, musically, and so we're going to talk to him about that. He was named the new face of Atlanta's music scene, like I said, by Out Magazine when they put him on the cover, Um, and he's also been in Atlanta Magazine. In 2022, MTV News said he was ready to take the throne. Um, he was featured in Billboard twice. Uh, he is part of their pro- Billboard Pride playlist for 2019. Um, he's performed for Atlanta's Black Pride Festival in 2019, 2021, and 2022. Um, he also has um, has been um, in doing new, notable performances in the MoviFest Human Rights Campaign HBCU Summit in 2019. Uh, he opened for the original Dream Girl, Jennifer Holiday during NAESM's uh, Leadership Conference. Uh, he is a, an advocate for equal rights and healthcare and uh, participated in campaigns for brands such as CDC and PrEP, among others. Um, and he has a latest album out, uh, which is super exciting and um, super, super personal. So we're going to talk to him about that. Uh, first, we are bringing in Brody Levesque. Brody is the editor of the Los Angeles Slide Magazine, um, which is the magazine that you need to be reading every single day. It and its sister magazine, The Washington Blade, um, are two of the most established publications in the country for LGBTQ news. Um, They won the coveted Best in Journalism Award from GLAAD just this last year. So with that and with the latest stories, here is Brody. Hey, Rob, and good morning, good day, good afternoon to our listeners around the globe. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We appreciate you all so very, very much. Um, I'm going to start off uh, with last night's uh, political debates between 
uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former South Carolina Governor and U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, uh, who were trading barbs again uh, at the uh, caucus in uh, or before the, the debate before the caucuses. Um, and it was interesting to say the very least. Um, you know, the thing is, is that the back and forth here, and you've got Trump, who is the front runner all the way out, like 30, 40 points out. Uh, it, it just, it's, it's almost at the, you know, how awful can we out Trump each other? Um, the back and forth last night was basically swiping um, at each other, which is fairly typical in trading barbs. Uh, our community did come into the debate again, um, and it, it, it again it was uh, DeSantis touting his you know insufferable anti-trans record, um, and then he was arguing that when Haley was governor of South Carolina, uh, the lawmakers had put forward a bill to protect girls from men going in the bathroom, and she killed it. And again, this is a fairly constant with the Republican right and with the Christian right. Uh, you know, this complete non-acceptance of trans identity. So for them, it's always men being women and blah, blah, blah type garbage. Uh, so there was a back and forth on that. Um, and then she, you know, fought back saying that she voiced her opposition to any gender transitions under the age of 18 and on and on. And then, of course, they just veered off into other areas from there. I mean, Newsworthy-wise, probably more of the same, to be perfectly honest with you, Rob. It was just, you know, once again, here we go. Um, Now, that said, there was a bill that was introduced in the West Virginia State House, and it was introduced um, yesterday. It is Senate Bill 194, and this is a really seriously onerous piece of legislation uh, L.A. political journalist and commentator Aaron Reed wrote about this. It's in today's magazine. Senate Bill 194 would essentially enact a total ban on gender-affirming care for trans individuals up to the age of 21. And then it goes beyond that. The bill also mandates that all therapists and social workers in the state of West Virginia attempt to cure people from being transgender. The bill was filed by a group of Republican senators. It probably would impose arguably the most draconian restrictions on gender-affirming care in the United States um, and essentially would force all social workers and therapists in West Virginia to also become conversion therapists. Now, this law actually is building on a West Virginia law that was passed last year and signed uh, by the governor which banned gender-affirming care uh, for minors. Uh, So that's already in place. This law kind of takes it past that. Um, One of the – the bill is broken into several sections, and I'll just briefly read out some of them. Uh, One section, for example, defines being transgender as a state of sexual deviation and places it alongside pedophilia, exhibitionism, machism, sadomachism, fascism, and more. Another one, excuse me, another section of the bill defines anybody being a minor as under the age of 21. Now, this is noteworthy because in almost all of the United States, 18 is considered the age of majority. You can vote at 18. 
Uh, you're considered an adult at 18, and for most intents and purposes, you have all rights at age 18. This law bumps it up to 21. So that's going to be a little questionable, too. The bill also goes into the usual areas, banning gender-affirming care uh, by use of state funds, which would incur Medicare Medicaid funding and things like that. Um, but the other thing would be, and, and this is the part of the bill that's got everybody really having discussions about it today. The bill mandates that all mental health care professionals would be prohibited from exacerbating gender dysphoria in those under 21, okay, by continuing such condition, delusion, or disorder with no intent of cure or cure, cure pursuing recovery. So, in other words, this law goes way beyond accepted practices uh, of, you know, the, the medical uh, professional groups in the U.S. Um, gender dysphoria is considered, okay, a real condition, but it is not considered a mental illness. This bill would change that definition greatly. Um, you know, one of the things I mean, is kind of that, yeah. Go ahead. That that yeah. that's what is incredibly outrageous about this, and uh, it's it, I'm I guess I am mystified why the um, American Psychiatric Association, the American Medical Association, are not losing their minds, and their PR departments are not on every talk show. And, you know, just bombarding the airwaves with the principle that health care should not be mandated by govern, government people. It's like this is ridiculous. It's insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, right at the outset, it's insane. I mean, and then stepping back on this particular issue is medical care and, and um, health for people with, who are suffering from gender dysphoria is to transition or is to to work on their self-worth as to being their true authentic selves. I mean, that is the care. The, they're creating this phantom, quote-unquote, health care of conversion therapy that doesn't really even exist. I mean, it's this is really la-la land stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. I mean, the, the bill was just introduced. Um, it's been my experience in the years that I've been a journalist that the American uh, healthcare community, the professional healthcare, the APA and the AMA, more than likely will be responding to this. Right now, it's still more or less in the lane of politics, if you will. So we're kind of waiting to see what the shakeout is. I, I need to note. And we have reported on this, as a matter of fact, Aaron uh, reported on it last week. In the first five days of this year's assembly sessions across the United States, and that's with all the state houses that are holding uh, legislative sessions, not every state does every year, but all the ones that are this year, we've already had five, uh, we've already had 155 anti-trans specific bills introduced. Okay, the first five or six days. Okay, it's it's a pylon, um, and I need to note that it's also at a federal level too. As you know, Rob, budget negotiations are ongoing between 
the Speaker of the House and uh, the Democratic Majority Leader and the Republican Minority Leader in the Senate, and they're trying to figure something out. Marjorie Taylor Greene and some of the radical Republicans are pissed because the anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ sections uh, were pulled from the budget considerations, and Marjorie Taylor Greene absolutely wants her anti-trans garbage in there. And, of course, we're back down to, you know, the other argument over, you know, gay men are groomers, lesbians are groomers, trans people and drag artists are groomers, and the Republicans want that language worked into these bills. Uh, In Florida alone, we've seen three major bills introduced that are just, they're beyond the pale. So it, it really is becoming more than just, you know, talking points and political points. It is now translating into some really seriously ugly things. And we're kind of waiting to see, you know, where this is going to go and how this is going to go. And, I mean, it's just one pile on after the other. I'll make a a footnote on that. It's not always just the red state flyover states either. Okay. In Connecticut on Monday, Connecticut, in a town not even probably 18 minutes north of Hartford, the state capital, the town council voted to ban LGBTQ pride flags. Okay. Here in California, the same thing happened in Huntington Beach and a couple of other jurisdictions. So there is a generalized sense here, and of course we've already figured out Republicans can't govern anyway. But it's they they go right to the heart of the meat for their audience, and that is they're they're coming after us. I need to note that it looks like right now, okay, all the Republican Party is going to be focused on three things to win on: one, anti-queer, trans. Lesbian, gay, provisions thereof, bills, rhetoric. The second one is women reproductive rights. Abortion battle still ongoing, especially in consideration after what happened with Dobbs. And the third thing, of course, is immigration issues. You know, and that goes right to the heart of, you know, the racist issues that are still a carryover, you know, from you all's civil war, which was, what, 160-something years ago, and it still goes on. So those are the three things that, you know, the Republicans are focusing in on. They're not interested in governing. I seriously, I'm at the point now, just as a political journalist, I don't think they're capable of it. They just certainly don't seem to be. And now I'm hearing on well, Capitol I, Hill today, Rob, you're loving this one. I heard today from a well-placed source that I trust, okay, that there are serious considerations in the House Freedom Caucus about jettisoning Mike Johnson. Okay, so in other words, they're going to kick the speaker out. So here we go again. And the best part of that, they plan on doing it with the budget getting ready to crash because they don't want to do a continuing resolution. So not only will the government run out of money, but then the speaker fight goes on. And it's like, right. at what point do the voters put up with enough craziness, you know? Anyway, so well, that's yeah. the news. Well, the, the, one, <laughs> the one is the, the, the latter that you just discussed is complete ineptitude and, you know, um, insanity, even 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 um, being delusional about their self um, uh, welfare. I mean, it's you know. So there's that. But the other stuff is fascism, pure and simple fascism. It's like they're hanging us out as scapegoats. They're going to take actions against us. They're going to demonize us. So it looks like 
they're doing something, and then they can let their base know that they've taken care of, quote-unquote, the problem. And the problem is the people they don't like. Um, So it's dangerous times. We need to get focused. We need to mobilize. We need the blue wave. And that is the only way that we're going to be able to eradicate it all. Hmm. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, on that, okay. hap- well, on that happy note, yeah. I'll let you go to Dane. And <laughs> okay. you know, let's talk about good stuff like music. <laughs> okay. All righty. All right. Thanks, Brody. And with that, I do want to welcome to the show, uh, waiting patiently in the wing, um, is the R&B hip-hop artist, Dames, welcome to the show. Hey, how y'all doing? We're doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank y'all for having me. Oh, my my pleasure, my thrill. Um, you've got a, a new album out. Um, and, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that it is a departure um, from a lot of your past work which to me was very party-oriented, uber-danceable, had kind of lots of bravado, lots of attitude. This one seems Mm -hmm. much more serious and kind of opening up your heart a little deeper. Um, Is that a fair estimation? Absolutely. Um, I I will say um, when I first started out, my first couple of projects um, when I was in college, I I was – definitely doing a lot more of the of the sound that this new album has and then i kind of started to focus on like you said that that you know club ready you know dance ready sound that just you know just felt good and made people feel good and um and that was i was very intentional about that as well i feel like i'm always intentional about everything that i do and so with this record um like you said, I definitely wanted to just be a little bit more serious and sophisticated and, you know, just the way life had it, I was going through so many things that I just, I couldn't ignore and I, I needed my music to serve as my, my therapist again. And, and, <sighs> and so I, I feel like with my last project, the, the idea was, was a, a big part of the concept was escapism and, you know, just come out of the pandemic and we were actually still in the pandemic during this time, but just being, you know, in the pandemic and, and just wanting to feel that escapism and all of that. I think this time around, I did, wanted to do the opposite and really address the, 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 the issues and the, the, the pain and the trauma and the life experiences head on. So, yeah. Yeah, it, and I, I think you, I mean, it, it is opaquely honest throughout the album. And, I mean, it is raw and, and at times vulnerable and at times resolute, mm-hmm. um, at times angry, at times, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, defeated and other times with resolve to, to move ahead. I mean, I think the title mm-hmm. is so apropos, Hell Now, Heaven Later. Um, actually, before we dig into it much more, uh, do you mind if I go ahead and play um, one of the tracks, um, uh, the um, Through the Fire track real quick? Cause I, let's let's I do it. it. That's perfect because that's, that's the intro. So that's a perfect segue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that, that's what I figured. It's like let's let the music introduce it and then we'll, we'll talk about it. So here is Let's do it. Through the Fire. Yo, can we smoke in here? 
Yeah, so um, I I was born in, in Mississippi, um, down south, country boy at, at the core. And um, I, my family moved to, to, to Atlanta when I was six years old. And like you said, at the time, um, you know, before all of the the trauma and everything, um, it was it life life was life was great. Like I I was I had a great childhood up until that point, and I was um, I was was a very happy and pure and innocent child, and very adventurous, very inquisitive. Um, I'm sure I got on my mom's nerves because I asked. I was that that kid that just asked. <laughs> A thousand questions. <laughs> I wanted to know everything and about everything. And why? What is this? And what is that? And why do people do this? And why do people do that? And why? And, you know, and uh, what happens when you do that? And what happens when you don't do that? And just I just wanted to know everything as as a young child. And um, at that age too, by the time I had moved to Georgia from Mississippi at six years old, I was already um, a music kid. I had already been introduced to Destiny's Child and had already gotten the Ryan's on the Wall album for my sixth birthday uh, that year. And I already had gotten my boom box and I had already established my niche as the youngest of, of, of all brothers. And, you know, my oldest brother, he was into video games. Um, my, and then the one under him, Brian, when I lost, he was into sports a lot. So mm-hmm. my thing was always music. And by the time, um, so by the time we got to to Georgia, we all we were we were already well within our personalities and our you know interests. And so, um, yeah, so I went through um, elementary school and middle school and high school. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was in high school, and then um, a couple years later, um, my senior year of high my senior year of high school, my my brother was murdered. Um, th- during his freshman year of college, and um, so that was just like back-to-back traumatic experiences that really, um, you know, if I could be honest, just really did a lot of damage to my soul and my confidence and my happiness and just all of these things. And um, somehow, some way along the along the line in that journey, I, I turned to music because it was something that's just always been there for me since I was little and before I needed it, before I knew I needed it, right? Like, it's just always been there for me. And so um, when I was in college, um, I, I went to college that that, that that fall. My brother passed, passed away literally um, the, week, the week before my senior prom, which was a month before my 18th birthday and two months before my high school graduation. So it was, you know, I didn't really have time to – sit and grieve and you know college was starting a couple months later and so it was just kind of ongoing and so my college years especially the earlier years were were definitely tainted I feel like with a lot of grief and depression and just being misunderstood and lonely and um, lost and sad and um, I knew I needed to find some kind of way to to, for me to heal and for me to to, to kind of read reset and re get get back on track with life because as an 18 year old boy who just went through so many things and life just kind of feels like my brother was only a year older than me and so everything that he and he was my only full brother which means we shared both parents and so everything that he did I always did the year after mm. growing up ever since we were little and so 
just like him going to college and he, him being a freshman while I was a senior in high school and then him passing away, it was kind of like, you know, when you're in that really just dark space, I really honestly felt like, okay, well, maybe I'm about to die next, you know, like maybe I don't really have enough time here left either. And it's just a really weird, interesting, um, just abysmal place to be. And I, I'm glad that I have music to turn to because I don't know what I would have did without it. Um, and so my sophomore year of college, I, I decided to use my refund check and buy some studio equipment. And I made my little makeshift studio in my college apartment closet. <laughs> and yeah. the rest was history. Yeah, it's um, uh, Ryan's death obviously plays a big part in your music. I mean, it's he's, he comes up as a theme often um, throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, what What did Ryan personally, his personality mean to you? Man, he was just the coolest, most down-to-earth, most just precious soul and just the most, like, it, it, he, he, his personality was just so, he was just, he was just, he was just a, a people person. Like, everybody liked him, everybody loved him, you know what I mean? He was just, so welcoming, he made you feel like you 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 belonged, and and that he he had your back. And um, it's one thing that I feel like I've I've, I've kind of avoided that I feel like I've been trying to feel for the right. past you know twelve years or so. Um, and just because you know nobody nobody has had your back like you like your big brother does, and nobody nobody knows you like 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 he does either. He knew me better than anybody on this planet, so. Losing him definitely, um, you know, when you go through that kind of that level of trauma, it really, it really like, it changes the the chemistry in your brain, you know, and so yeah, it's a lot of effects that happen that I wasn't even really aware of at at first. You know, it took it took me years and growing up and and learning um, and really digging into that. That, that psychology of it to really realize the effect that it really had. And um, I think even when I was doing the, the previous projects, when I was focusing on that, that, that upbeat sound, I, in a sense, I was kind of running from it, running, running from that trauma and not, you know, just kind of not, just kind of acting as if it wasn't there. Um, but you get to a point where you, you can't run from it anymore. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's there. I mean, it's like in the your your previous tracks there, um, Sura Beat, and they've got you know they've got that that armor kind of attitude in them, like uh, you mm-hmm. know I'm untouchable, and you know it's like you, you know mm. you can't get to this and and all that, and it seemed very protective. And in this album, you know that that guard seems like it comes completely down. Um, what is your process? I mean, because you are clearly a poet. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of awed by a lot of the um, the verticals of your talent. I mean, it's like you're an incredible poet, and obviously the poetry of the rap infused with the music is super, super effective. But now also pivoting to the R&B side, you have a gorgeous voice. And, Thank you. you know, it's like it's it's a – you know, another level of talent, but on the poetry Thank side you. and writing the feelings out and everything else, 
what is your mm-hmm. process? Do you just kind of write and see what comes out, or do you have an idea and then start framing a theme around it? You know, it varies. It, 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 it's never it's, it's, it's never the same process. Um, it depends on um, the vibe, the feeling, the intention. Sometimes I'll have uh, the production. Sometimes I'll have a beat, and I'm like, I really, really love this beat. I, I know I want to use it. Um, I don't care how long it takes for me to make the song. This beat, I, I'm going to use it. And then there are other times where there's an idea or a concept or a feeling that I need to to, to get to get out. Sometimes I'll, I'll start with just words and I'll just write the, write how I'm feeling or write some ideas and then I'll go and try to find the right production that that matches it. Um, so it never it, it it never it never is the same, which is something that I've learned and it's something that it, it keeps it really interesting too because the process is always so different and you you just never really know going into it how things are going to play out. You may go you may sit down with the intention of creating this record and you end up with something completely different. Um, and so, yeah, the process varies, but I feel like with this album, I, the process was a lot more intentional. I wanted to really dig deep and, 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 um, not be afraid to, to open up about what I was going through and how I felt and not try to, and I, you know, like you said, I think what was really interesting about, you know, what you said about the last few projects having that, that, that feeling of like that armor and that protectiveness. Um, I never really thought about it that way, but looking back, you know, it look, it makes perfect sense. And I feel like part of the intention with this record was to strip all of that away and not be, not trying to be too cool and not trying to be too hard and not trying to be too, you know, because what is that? Is that, is that truly a reflection of, of, of who I am or is that truly a reflection of what's going, who I am today? Right. I might have been that when I recorded it, I'm, you know, I might have been just throwing on all this armor and this protection just because I felt like I needed to, to survive or whatever. Um, but today, that's not who I want, who I am, and that's not who I want, my, what, my, what, I want what I want my music to reflect. So um, the process was definitely just wanting to be really open and transparent, and I feel like I'm going through my Saturn return, you know, that, that stage that they talk about uh, at the end of your 20s where you just go through a lot of, a lot of changes and a lot of, um, a, lot of a lot of life experiences that, that ultimately shape your, your mind and, 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 and everything like that. So the, 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 the process this time was, was, was definitely a lot more focused and intentional than I think before. Yeah, and I think part of it too, what I what I feel from your music, what I take away from your music and a lot of the songs is, uh, you, your music displays that you know who you are better and more. Mm-hmm. I mean, like like your song, um, contrary to the norm, um, where mm-hmm. it's you're very upfront. I mean, and poetic. I mean, it's like I am the rain the lightning, the thunder, the storm. They say my ways is frightening, bitch, I don't conform. It's like, it's, it's a lot of that is spirit of a lot of LGBTQ people when we get to that point where we're going, okay, we're different, you know, and we're mm-hmm. queer, you know, queer meaning we're, we're not normal. We're not the norm, you know, but, right. you know, we can't, we can't help your, your reaction to us. we, we're we're going to be who we are, and we're not exactly. going to hide about it. And I I take that away from from that. What what was going through your mind when you wrote that? 
you know, that song to me is, is if I, I tell people all the time, if you want, if you, it, 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 to me, it kind of feels like an autobiography, like novel almost in song form, because it's just so autobiographically vivid and it's just so real and so raw. Um, I just needed to just put it all out on, on the record and, um, you know, speaking to that, you know, being LGBT and knowing that you're different, right. And knowing that like, I, there's something that I've, I, I had to, had to analyze and accept at a very young age in my life, being the youngest of all brothers, being a black man, a black little boy at this point, um, Mm -hmm. knowing that I was very different from my brothers in certain ways that I couldn't run from or couldn't hide necessarily. Um, And then also knowing, I feel like I've always been a very um, intuitive and a very just just about, I'm on my earth sign, so I'm I'm very grounded and all of that. I, I just I always knew even at a very age that those differences would would eventually place some obstacles in front of me in life, right? Like I kind of always knew that who I was would lead to some challenges down the road. It, it's not going to be easy, mm-hmm. like being who you are. If you decide to be who you are, which I didn't, you know, the choice was easy for me because. I couldn't imagine like trying to be somebody that I'm not, but I always knew that it wasn't going to be easy. And so that song for me, I think um, was just kind of just looking back at like my life and, and even before I even was even thought of, or before I even like came into the world, just looking back at my, my, my father's life and his journey. And, um, you know, when I first came out, um, around the time my brother passed away in 2012, you know, me and my, fa- my father, he, he wasn't the most receptive and, and the most accepting, you know, um, we came, he came around and we're super close now and he's like the greatest father ever. But um, at the time, you know, initially he wasn't that accepting and it was really hard and it was a really difficult time. I had to, you know, put myself in his shoes and think about how he grew up and, and, and being from the South and, um, growing up in Mississippi where, you know, um, being LGBT, especially in the African-American community, was really not really frowned upon. And so, right. um, but he definitely came around, and um, it's something that I that I hold dear to my heart because um, I saw my, my, my father, like, grow and evolve as a human being uh, through through me. And um, it's just it was just beautiful, and so I wanted that record. To, I, so I wanted to speak to that. I wanted to speak to his upbringing. I wanted to speak to um, the, the the transition of my family from Mississippi to Georgia, um, and just the idea of being contrary to the norm, which is especially in my world, um, looks very different from who I am and who I present myself to be, and so. Um, yeah, that song is very, 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 very dear to my heart. Very, very special. Yeah, no, and it's um, – I, I just look at you and and strongly admire your heroism of, of number one, stepping out into the hip-hop world um, where, you know, that's there, – there are a few places in our society where 
LGBTQ people going in are fighting the uphill battle. I mean, sports is one, the hip hop world's another, probably country music is another. I mean, it's like there there are places where we just have not traditionally been welcomed with open arms, let's put it mm-hmm. that way. And you've embraced Absolutely. it, you've personified it, you've represented, um, you know, and to the point of being, you know, literally put on the cover of magazines. What did that exposure feel like for you? Did you feel comfortable being that out or was it, this is scary as shit, but I'm going to do it anyway? <laughs> you know, kind of both. I would say it was a bit of both. Um, by the time it happened, by 2020, I was I was already like about six years in to, uh, with my music. So I was, um, you know, I knew when I started what what, uh, what it would look like and what, I, what the type of artist that I wanted to be and, and all of that. So I knew eventually like, Right, like it would, it would, it would have to go to a bigger scale from just being like locally out to, you know, nationally out and then globally out with with this publication. And so, um, I knew it was a matter of time. Um, I think it it came at a really, really, really important time for me because we were in COVID, and I had just put an album out that February, which was a, literally a month before the lockdown and I had so much um, planned for the album. I had worked really hard on it. I had all these things that I wanted to do and like literally COVID came and um, canceled all of my, all of my plans. And it was, it was, it was a, it was a bummer. It was a really, I remember feeling really, really sad about it. And on top of just everything else that that the quarantine and the pandemic brought, um, it was just a, a hard time. I was in a toxic relationship. I was, um, I was just, I was struggling mentally and, um, I needed something to get me back up. And the out magazine cover was definitely that for me. And I remember just what it did for me mentally, the motivation that it gave me, um, it was just really encouraging. It made me feel like, okay, so maybe all of the hard work that I've done for all these years and and all the dreams, maybe it's not maybe it wasn't all in vain and maybe like there are people that do see me for who I am and that are inspired and, and, and that, that enjoy my craft and that I should keep going. And that this is a sign to not give up and to not allow these discrepancies or what have you to hinder or stop me, but to, to push me and go further and go harder. And so that's exactly what I did. And so I got back in the studio and I, then my next EP was Coverboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's like I love that. It's like it's you. You immediately had a musical comment on it, and um, yeah, and you know, and honestly, that cover is forever. I mean, I know it's that year, and it was their Pride magazine or the Pride edition and all that, but it's like it will forever be out there because it is a community telling you that we love you. And we accept you completely as you are. There was nothing hidden about you on that cover. And we're so proud of you. We want to make you that public, you know, and, and, this, and that'll and never this change. also too, like, right. And this also too, I think what was so dope was um, Diane, the, the writer who did the write-up, she did such a great job with the print article and, and, and really 
allowing myself to to get my story on in print and and in the magazine and such a global publication was so, such a big deal for me because it's one thing to have like your name or your photo included in something, but to be able to really tell your story because I think for my whole life what I've always dealt with was people see me and they see like a nice clean polished aesthetic and they see like you know Mercedes and they see nice clothes and just the way I like to present myself, but they they don't see everything that's behind it. They don't see what, you know, they, they, and it's like, I've, I've always gone through that my entire life. And um, being able to tell my story within that feature and that cover was really, really dope. So yeah, shout out to Out Magazine. Yeah. Shout out to, to Diane Marshall. Well, yeah, and but shout out to you and shout out to, you know, I can't even tell you when when you represent like that, how many six-year-old kids in their own home that are going to go through different things in their lives like you have with yours will see you as the beacon, you know, is knowing, okay, he got so right. You know, he, he did all this, mm. you know, and I love that. he is who I want to be. And I, he looks like me and I want to be that. Mm. And, you know, it's, um, that that wasn't around earlier, so I mean it, it's it's awesome. Um, what yeah, because I didn't have I didn't have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's why. I mean, it's like is it is it is. I mean, other people put you up there and wrote the article and everything else, but it's you. You created it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they couldn't have done that without you being there and you being you. Um, and you. you kind of a lot of these themes on a personal level on the song unorthodox, um, you know, you, you are basically talking about being accepted or not accepted by your family, but you're just going to be unorthodox. Um, Mm -hmm. How did that play out in hip hop music circles where you walked in, you're here, you're queer and you're in hip hop. What, what kind of pushback or, challenges did you face doing that you know a lot um even from a local level wanting to work with certain artists and and either not just not getting a response at all or being told no um wanting certain performance uh, opportunities um and having all of the credentials and the numbers or whatever that everybody else on the bill or even more has, but just, you know, having to say, well, why wasn't I, why, you know, why, why didn't I, and having to realize, like, you know, it's just something that I've always dealt with, even before music was, was you know, it's something that I dealt with in school, something I dealt with in, in my family, and so I knew going into the music space that it would be these obstacles and these challenges, right, um, and so just, you know, I, I would get told no a lot, I would get, um, a lot of opportunities just weren't offered to me or um, even when people would like find out, right. Like they they weren't, if they weren't all the way, uh, if they didn't have that knowledge beforehand and they went and did more research or whatever. And then it was like, Oh, okay, well, never mind. Um, So, you know, you you face all of that, but also it was kind of twofold too. Like I I realized that I, at this point in my life, I realized in my end of my career, I realize that it's bigger than me now, you know, it's, it's, it's bigger than me. Like you said, you, I have like kids when I get the out magazine cover, there were so many people that were reaching out from all over the world that were telling me, Hey, I, I just found you on this magazine. I read your story. I've written to your music and you're, you're so inspiring. Um, 
I had kids from different countries in Africa that were messaging me on Instagram and, 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 and tapping into my, my Instagram lives and just, you know, and really I had a moment where I guess where I had to really realize that I had more influence than I initially thought I had. And, um, that's when I, I knew it became bigger than me. Um, and even on, on, within the LGBT space, I also feel like with hip hop and with hip hop being such a, it's such a, a, a wide, like spectrum. It's, 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 it's a very multidimensional genre. And I feel like for a lot of people, they don't really look at it that way. They don't really know it that, to be that. They haven't heard enough hip hop in their life to really know how extensive, how expansive it can really be. And especially mm-hmm. within the LGBT space, obviously there are a lot of gay people that, that, you know, K-pop just really isn't their genre of choice or they're, you know, they haven't spent much time with the genre as they have made up with, with like pop or R&B music. And so part of the intention with this record too, realizing that I have this audience, right. That may or may not be familiar with the music that I grew up on the music that I like that's embedded in my soul like and there's so many different types of hip-hop and I wanted to be very intentional about um expressing and this and, and showcasing different sides of hip-hop within this album so like songs like unorthodox um you know it's a very different type of like gritty grungy type of type of song there's different flows um agenda it's like boom bap you have like the trap records you have like the conscious rap like you have the emo rap you know, there's so many different facets to the hip hop side before you can before you even go to the R and B and the pop and all of that. But just within the hip hop space, I wanted to be very intentional about showcasing the different sides to, to my audience. Um, but yeah, just being LGBT and hip hop is definitely it's definitely I would say um, brought a lot of obstacles initially, but I think it also brought a lot of opportunities. And me, a B B N, who I am. And being myself within that space has uh, has done, I would say, done a lot, a lot of good versus bad. So I wouldn't have oh, any other way. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, a lot of good. And I love what you said about, you know, it's not just that you are a bridge of LGBTQ in the hip hop space, but you are bringing hip hop to the LGBTQ space of an audience that, quite frankly, mm-hmm. might have been a little bit afraid to go there and. Afraid they were right. unrepresented, and, 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 and honestly, bringing... it's, it's not their fault because, like you said, the, the genre was has not always been that welcoming. So for a lot of people, it's like, well, why do I want to listen to people that don't even like who like don't even like me? Why do I want to listen to right. a rapper that probably hates my guts or, or doesn't want me to exist on this earth? But you know, the genre still exists, and it's still it's still powerful. It still can touch people. It touched me as a child, and so I knew that I always wanted to rap, but I also knew I always wanted to sing. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, and speaking of, um, I do have another track that I want to play because it is more of you singing than rap. And it also thematically is kind of the, you know, the silver lining, the, you know, the will to survive everything that, that the rest of the album talks about, you know, in terms of things that have have kind of beaten you down. Um, So the song is Stay Afloat. And I'm going to play that right now if you're okay with that. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Stay 
This is absolutely beautiful. It's like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Love the keep swimming at the end. It's like, so speaking of keeping swimming, what, what is coming up next? What, what is next for you? Oh man, so much. Um, it's exciting to, it's actually exciting to have things that I, that I can't even really speak on yet because it's still like under wraps. But what I can speak <laughs> on is, um, <laughs> what I can speak <laughs> on is that there's, there's more coming for the album for sure. Um, some more, I plan on doing some more music videos and some more performances and just really pushing, um, the album. Cause I like for my projects to have legs, you know, I, I, I work so hard on them. And so, um, there's more coming for Hell Not Heaven later. There's also a lot more new music coming after that. Um, I'm probably not going to take a break after this album cycle. I'm probably going to go right into the next one. I have so much music lined up. I'm, I'm stepping into new genres and I'm uh, expanding my sound. And so, um, you know, I'm kind of kind of taking a break from 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 the hip hop space for for just a, just a little minute. And and um, I've been doing a lot of pop, a lot of R&B. Uh, I've been doing some house and some dance and some blues and mm. um, I've been really just really expanding and, and, and honing in my craft and um, really opening up my, my musicality and it's a really exciting space to be in so um, I can't wait to, to share it. I, I can't wait either and um, I, I have to say my my favorite in that, in that whole array is the house and the dance stuff. I mean I'm an old yes. kid, so, so yeah, I can't wait to hear what you you come out with from there. But absolutely, we're almost out of time today. Oh, go ahead, James. Oh no, so I was gonna say just like for the community, I think uh, um, I'm really excited to to put the house and the dance stuff out because you know that's 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 those are our genres. You know, we pioneered that, so uh, I I think it it was just a matter of time, and I'm super excited to to to, to step into that space. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it, and to your credit, before with the the things we were talking about hip hop, is like that the dance and the house music is a way to to thump out the pain. You know, it's like stand up, be proud, dance your heart out. Um, you know, and absolutely, you know, let let the the assholes fall fall by the wayside. But James, I want absolutely. to thank you so much for being here today. Um, you were an absolute joy. Um, you know, and everybody go out and thank get you. the album. Um, you know, it is super poignant, super wonderful, so many nuances. We barely even scratched the surface. Um, and available, <laughs> uh, I assume, everywhere streaming and music is available, right? Yes, sir. Everywhere everywhere you can stream music, you can find it. Just type in Dane, type in Hell Now, Heaven Later, you'll find it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, go find it, go listen to it, download it, stream it, um, enjoy it. Um, James, can't wait to see what comes next for you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being here today. Uh, I want to thank Brody Levesque for his work on the show and the Los Angeles Blade. Don't forget to check that out at losangelesblade.com. And that is it for today for those of us that rated LGBT radio. We will be back again next week. Um, We actually have a really great show lined up for you then, too. Um, I can't tell you what it is, but uh, tune in. You won't want to miss it. And until then, we will talk to you later. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. 